I don't know where I am. Again. I still don't know who I am. But I think the people of Treebark do know who I am. And they want me dead. I woke up lying on cement, surrounded by bars. I guess I'm in a jail cell. There's some straw strewn about the floor as if someone was told to make the place more comfortable, but all it does is give the room a musty smell that stings the inside of my nostrils. When I came to, I checked my jacket. They left it on me, and the recorder and the spare batteries were still in there. The recorder's batteries were finally dead. I'm just lucky it didn't break. Judging from the sharp pain in my ribs, I'm pretty sure they dropped me. Hard. It's dark. It's so dark. I've been sitting here for a long time now. Don't know how long. These people are going to kill me. No one's ever going to find my body. That's it. I'm done. I'll just sit here and wait for death. No. I'm not going to give up. I need to get out of here. And talking it out helps me think more clearly. Let's see. I could wait for someone to come down, a guard or something, and try to knock him out. Only if he opened the cell. These bars aren't wide enough for me to slip my arms through. Someone's coming. I gotta hide this thing. The woman who came down, her eyes were glowing. They weren't like a, a solid color or anything. I could clearly see the iris, the pupil, the whites, but they glowed like they were a neon sign, a strange turquoise color that looked unnatural, and the iris looked too small for the pupil it contained. She opened something up, but it wasn't the door to the cell. Some little hatch, I guess. She slid a bowl full of pungent soup through it and told me to eat up. Said I looked like garbage, and they needed me alert to answer some questions they had for me. I didn't say anything about her eyes, but she had to have noticed me staring at them in horror. If she could see my face clearly in this darkness, that is. The next time someone comes down, I'll try to hide the recorder while keeping it on. That way when I get out of here, I can... <laughs> when I get out. I've got to stop lying to myself. I'm never getting out of here. I must have fallen asleep. Someone came down here recently, but I don't know when. There's... There's someone's body lying next to me. It's... Oh my god. It's the shopkeeper. I never did ask for his name. He's been beaten to death. His face is an unrecognizable pulp, but I... I can tell it's him by his clothing and his hair. This is my fault. His death is on me for going into his store. I... Someone's coming. Who are you?
What do you want? What did you do? Wait. Your jacket. It's the same jacket I have. Are you just going to stand there staring at me? Wait! Come back! Wait! Please! I need answers. Where? Where is he? I'm in the town square. Everything is on fire. The stairs leading out of that dungeon opened right into the inn. And I guess I shouldn't be too surprised. There's no sign of the woman with glowing eyes, or anyone else for that matter. No dead bodies. Did he come just to free me and burn this place down? What could he possibly gain from this? And who the hell is he that he knew I was here and in trouble? Oh, shit. I had to run back to the inn. I had just made it back to the general store, which was destroyed, of course. It was mostly picked clean, but I found a few things that had been overlooked. A small rolled-up tent, a lighter, a backpack. I shoved the tent and the lighter into the backpack. And then I remembered that I had the hidden canteen and the first aid kit the shopkeeper gave me in my room at the inn. I don't know how I forgot. I'm starting to notice a dull pain in my head as well as my ribs that I hadn't before. That can't be good. I rushed back to the inn, which was still the only place untouched by the flames. I ran up to my room, which was locked. Went downstairs to the desk to look for any keys, but there weren't anybody found, so I went back upstairs and began kicking the door. One, two, three, four kicks, and the door went down. I set my foot back down, and a sharp pain shot up through my leg into my stomach. So, there's something else to worry about. But I got inside... I pulled up the floorboards and got the first break I've had since I woke up in a ditch on the side of the road. My supplies were still in there. I hobbled back downstairs and opened the door to leave when... There was the woman. The woman with the luminescent eyes. I could see her more clearly now. She was shorter now that I wasn't hunkered down in a cell. Maybe a a foot shorter than me. It was hard to tell without being next to her, but she was definitely short... Her hair was cut and dyed into a blue mohawk. Her eyes still glowed, even with the sun beating down on us. Next to her was the man that had taken over as a receptionist for the inn. The bald man with the scar that looked fresh and old at the same time. I saw them both as I opened the door. Their attention was on a body that looked like it had been dragged. A young woman. I could tell as much from the distance. I closed the door quietly, got down on my hands and knees, and silently crawled over to a window I could peep through and watch them. They'd picked up the body again, and the young woman stirred as they did. She was still alive. They dropped her in one of the many buildings that were on fire and walked away. They went near the town's entrance, where I had first walked in. The horses were still there in the stable. They took two and rode off. I counted to thirty and ran. Ran out of the inn and into the building where they had dropped the woman. It was stupid, I know, but if she was still alive, I had to save her. I pulled her out of the building and picked her up. That's when I saw she was the woman working in the inn when I first got here. One of the only ones willing to help me. She was surprisingly light. Or, I'm stronger than I know. I carried her over to the stables 
Every time I stepped down with my left foot, there was a burning pain. I found some ropes sitting there. I can only imagine what it was normally used for. I used it to tie the woman over one of the remaining horses so she wouldn't fall off. I let the other horses go so they wouldn't burn to death. I walked with the horse back to the inn, keeping an eye out for the scarred man and the mohawked woman, and filled the canteen in their well. I'm still standing here next to the horse, uncertain of what to do next, with the unconscious, possibly dying woman. I hope she doesn't panic when she wakes up. If she wakes up. Okay. That's enough for now. I, I need to get moving. We may be in the middle of nowhere, but that just means a town on fire will attract even more attention in the distance. I rode for three hours. The woman has a watch on her wrist. It'll be nice to know how much time is actually passing now. The road is flat, and the horse rides quickly over the broken asphalt. I can start to see tall buildings in the distance. Hard to tell how far away it actually is, but I guess that's my goal now. Reach the city. Or whatever it is. I have to say, I'm impressed with my nodding skills. She never came close to falling off as we rode away from tree bark. I wonder where I learned how to do that. Maybe the city has the answers I'm looking for. When the sun started to go down, I steered the horse left off the main road until I could no longer see the road. That took another hour. But it'll hopefully keep us safe from any unpleasant travelers. I wonder why they didn't just kill her like they did the shopkeeper. Why try to destroy her body? The tent is set up, and I can still see the city from where we've stopped. You know, every time I pull out my recorder, I wonder, why am I still doing this? Recording everything. It takes up a lot of time. But, well, like I said before, talking things out helps me stay sane. Maybe I'll be able to stop when she wakes up. It'll be nice to have another human to talk to. If she isn't silent like she was at the inn. I've untied her and set her down inside the tent. I collected some brush to create a sort of fire. It's small, barely any heat coming from it. But it's better than nothing, especially now that it's getting dark. I want to go scrounging for more to burn. Maybe find some rocks to keep it controlled so I don't have to watch it so closely. But I don't want to leave her by herself. Maybe when she wakes up. The first aid kit had some bandages in it. I wrapped up my ankle tightly. It's a little easier to walk on now, but I should be careful of how much pressure I put on it. I'm going to rest out here next to the fire and wait. Hopefully she comes too soon. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to sit out here. All I have is... Beyond the Road is presented by Brothers from the Same Mother Productions and is performed by Zachary Jackson. 
This episode also featured the voice of Jess Simonson. Beyond the Road is written and produced by Charlie Johnson. Music by Andrew Dickinson. Learn more about him at MidnightNoonMusic.com. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BeyondTheRoadPodcast, and follow us on Twitter at Beyond underscore Road. Email us at BeyondTheRoadPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you.